Hi, I'm Wade Ierly, and this is Rebuilding the American Dream. In this podcast, we introduce you to thought leaders who are shaping the lives of the next generation to discuss the challenges and innovations shaping higher education and how we can adapt to give students a strong foundation for their futures. Today, I'm joined by Emily Hernandez Alzamora, student body president at Salt Lake Community College. A former student of the school, she was elected into her role in May of last year and will serve for the upcoming academic calendar. Her role is to act as a bridge between the students and the administration by representing and expressing the opinions and interests of SLCC students. As a first-generation college student herself, she studied business while working as a student ambassador, where she reached out to high school students to promote the benefits of attending SLCC. Emily, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to have you here. And I wanted to start with your college experience. Tell me a little bit how you decided to go to college and why Slick was the choice for you. Um, so I always kind of knew that I wanted to go to college. It was something that I was prepping for. I knew what I wanted to be since I was like probably fourth, fifth grade. Um, I decided to be an attorney. And so that was my overall goal. So what my what I did was I would try to get good grades. I would always try to get involved in different things. And so for me, it was just like a, I wanted to go, but I think there were some kind of places where sometimes like I was told maybe that's not the best option. <laughs> it was a little difficult because my parents are actually immigrated here from Venezuela. So first generation here in the United States and kind of always like been taught of the value of higher education in terms of like always get to school because you know that is what's going to help you out for the rest of your life. That's how it's going to support you. That's going to support your future family. And so it was kind of like this value of like my family always valued it so much of like getting an education and getting good grades. And so it was instilled in me. And so when I actually started school, um, K through 12 education, um, it was kind of difficult because my first language was Spanish and not English. And so I was set up in this program called ESL. So English is a second language. Um, and I basically had to leave sometimes in, during class where we would be learning history, science, math, English, all of those key elements that you should learn while you're in K through sixth grade. Um, so it can set you up for like the next step of education. And so for me, all those fundamental concepts, I kind of lost because I was still trying to learn a language that I did not know. And so because of that, a lot of some of my teachers were like, maybe you shouldn't expect much from her and just hope that like she will be a janitor at best. Like that was kind of like my reality of like, that is what they told my parents. And my parents were like, okay, <laughs> that's not where you're going to go. And so it was kind of um, encouraging that my family, because of that experience of that teacher, they literally, my mom, she would kind of spend hours and hours searching online of like, okay, um, these are the different programs. These are what you can do for scholarships. This is what it's available to you. So it started when I was in elementary. And since then, I've just kind of been working towards that. And then by the time I hit high school, um, I still wanted to be an attorney. I just didn't know. I just found out that like, obviously you need to have a bachelor's before you get into law school. And that was like, I don't know what I want to study. And so it's like, um, I've take, I knew for a fact, I am awful with science. Give me science, health, medical. No. <laughs> and so I 
got into business and that was really interest, interesting of learning like different like Excel programs, Word, um, management, marketing, like that was my forte. And so I interned my last year of high school at a business law firm here in Utah. Um, it was called Bueller, Tuller, Johnson and & Deere. And I, with a mentor there, I learned different like law practices within the business realm. And so I learned transactional law. I learned employment. I learned um, all various kinds. And that for me kind of set it up of like, okay, I know I want to study business now, business now because this is so fascinating of how it works with legal um, reality. And so from there, it was just kind of like a, I signed up for school and the only school that I applied for at the moment was University of Utah. And um, with that, it was kind of difficult because with FAFSA, my name didn't go through because I have two last names, Hernandez and Alsamara. And so because of that, like they wouldn't process it, they wouldn't get my financial aid. So basically they're telling me, oh, you have to pay the whole thing. And I was like, I can't. Right. Um, so by the time I got to Slick, it was literally the night before and I had 10 minutes or maybe a little more to apply for Slick before it closes. Um, so I applied, I literally rushed through all of the scholarships and I called people that I knew who would be awake at that time at 11.50. And I was like, hey, can you give me a letter of recommendation for the scholarship? And so they sent it in. So that was great. And then um, I still haven't heard back from the University of Utah, but really quickly, I got a phone call from, you know, one of the representatives at Slick and they were like, hey, um, you apply for the scholarship and we want to let you know we want to set up an interview with you. And so I was like, cool, perfect. And so we set up a time um, and we get there. Um, so this is the day of the interview. And they told us like, um, so these are all the panelists. So it was like eight, eight to 10 people over there um, listening in. Cause this is for, this is one scholarship that I applied for but you can, there's like 10 different things that they offer. I sat into this room and we were talking about it and they said, okay, you know, introduce yourself, what you're thinking of majoring. And I told them business and then I have um, I want to get into law school after my bachelor's degree. And they were like, cool, perfect. And then they told me, it's like, okay, give your presentations. So they asked us to give a presentation about whatever we, whatever we wanted about Slick. And one thing that hit me the most was um, concurrent enrollment. So concurrent enrollment essentially is just like you take college classes while you're in high school. And so that's what I did. And I became familiar with the program. I've been taking it since I was a junior in high school. And that kind of helped me like get some general education done. So that way it's like, okay, this is like a $15 class and I can just get it out of the way so I don't have to pay it in the future. Just because college is very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> then we get to that point and I talked to them about concurrent enrollment and what my experiences were. And I said like, the fact that Solid Community College is one of the few institutions that even offer classes while you're still in K through K through 12 education helped me up for success because by the time I got to Slick, it was such a smooth transition between I'm, I've already taken college classes. I have the experience. So now it's, I'm just taking college full time. And so from that, I got the ambassador scholarship. And so that paid for my tuition, my student fees. Um, all I had to cover were like um, miscellaneous fees, so like class fees, textbooks, things like that. And so I was like, perfect, like my college education is being paid for. Um, and so that kind of helped me out. My family, like they are not supporting me financially. Like they, thankfully, <laughs> they let me live with them, but I'm definitely paying for school on my own. And so just having that like 
assurance that someone like, or not someone that like I've worked hard enough that I can get my education covered. Like that was a really big deal for me of like, that was my one barrier that like, I cannot financially afford college. Like I have everything else. It's just finance. Yeah. So do you think that that your experience is typical of a first generation student? I think it kind of just depends on who you're asking because sometimes um, I've met with a couple of students where it's like, a lot of their counselors have told them, like, don't even consider college, like, because of their background, because of their, you know, financial status, because of, like, their grades. Um, So my, in terms of my story, I think, I would say it's unique. (laughs) And I tell you this because it's, like, not just because maybe not another person could have been in the same boat as me in, in terms of, like, how that educational experience was for me exactly. But I think there was definitely a commonality of like, we all struggled to think about how we can afford college. And also the fact of like, we don't start talking about college until we're in high school and not really early. So you you mentioned uh, how the the scholarship made you feel comfortable, um, that you had some assurance that you were going to be able to go. And that that's what brought you to Slick. Do you think if trying to think of other institutions in the state, if Utah Valley, you know, offered the same thing, um, how would you have gone about making a choice? Okay, this is kind of funny. Well, this is this is my thought. So I did, so kind of going back to that interview, literally that same day, I got a notification from the University of Utah that they would pay um, 80 grand um, for, I think it was for four years per semester. So it'll be split up. And I was like, cool. Um, that doesn't really pay anything because they don't, they only, that only covers tuition and tuition is not that much for me. So a lot of that money does not get reimbursed for me. But if this program was offered in other universities, I don't think I would change my choice of going to Slick. Um, Slick was kind of like a, it wasn't like a first stop. Like I was planning to go to the University of Utah since I knew I was going to um, practice law. And so that was like the main goal. That's where I wanted to go. And then for me, once I talked to Slick, it was just like, it made sense for me to go to Slick, not just financially, but because of the programs we offer here at Slick. So I think if we were were offered to any other university, I don't think I would change my decision. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And uh, how long have you been at uh, Salt Lake now? By the time I graduate, it'll be two years. Is your, is your plan after you finish here to go to the U then, University of Utah? Yeah. So um, after I'm graduating in all of 2021, I'll be starting at the U. That's great. That's great. And what, what is it that's always drawn you to the University of Utah? I think it was their programs. I, as looking, so as a freshman, I would always see what other universities offered. And for me, it was enticing to go to the University of Utah because of how they teach their courses I love critical thinking, and that is one thing that kept me here at Slick is because of that factor of, like, think more than beyond the words of what you're reading in your textbook. And for me, the University of Utah offered that same concept, and so I was drawn to the fact of, like, wow, this is a really cool school. Um, It gives me the, it offers the program that I want to get into, and uh, there's a lot of resources that are available to me as a student than most other institutions offer, not only that, but it's not a private institution and I can get financial aid um, through the University of Utah. 
What is it that you're, I, I know you want to be an attorney. What is it you want to get out of your experience in the undergrad? What are the, what are the critical things you're looking for? My, I would say my mission is whatever degree, whatever program I get into, if I can help people through it, then that is what I want to do. And because of um, businesses that we have here in Utah, a lot of them are paying for my scholarship. And so that is really helpful. But also there's a lot of like philanthropic types of companies that go out and help with the communities. And those are kind of the companies that I would totally be willing to work for, especially not only do they help serve their community around them. They also um, serve their employees. Uh, one of, actually, fun fact, Peter Drunker is the father of management, and he talks about in order to have well-rounded business, you have to take care of the employees. And so for me, that was like a key point of like, yeah, in order for businesses to function, you kind of have to take care of the people who are working for you. And so that's kind of why I'm getting into management, because I not only love administrative work, but I also love working with people and trying to help them out in the best way that I can. That's great. Has this year, I mean, this year's obviously been a little different than expected for everyone. How has, you know, the pandemic, you know, forced you and, and Slick to adjust? During spring semester, I, I think it was less than two weeks. As soon as I got announced I would be the student body president, everything shut down. And so we gathered like here in our offices and we were told by our um, Vice President of Student Affairs saying like, hey, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. And this is what Slick is doing. And so it was an immediate turnaround of like, we had to shut the whole, like all the campuses down and just basically be like, students have to go immediately online. So we were in the middle of spring break. So we had spring break. And then that gave the professors, faculty, staff, um, all, all the our executive cabinet to give that time to do that turnaround, to change what we need to do to make sure students are going to be helped afterwards. So for us, it was just like, a um, all right, we have spring break coming up. Let's use that time to see what we can do to switch it off. So um, we try to help our faculty and staff to get ready to teach all their courses online and find a way to connect with their students through like Zoom, through WebEx and that was really hard for a lot of students and that kind of made some drop out because not only was it a fast turnaround, it's like a lot of us do not learn very well virtually at all, like whether through online classes or um, lecture broadcasting classes. Um, those made it difficult for students to actually keep pursuing what they want to and just like, you know, I need to put a hold on this and just kind of wait till things get a little bit better in order to continue with my education. So a lot of students like had to drop out, whether that was because of mental, um, mental, physical health or because like they just couldn't learn through a virtual system. Yeah. Um, very interesting. Do you think uh, so we talked to a lot of you know university presidents and others in administration around the country and talk about some of the challenges that they've been dealing with. And a lot, of, a lot of the conversation is around budget constraints and what they can do. And they've had this new expenses and sort of sending things online, right? And they're a little less effective and they're sort of struggling and puzzling through that. Do you think students have been forgotten in those adjustments? Do you think the needs of students are being cared for well? What's your perception of sort of the, the university's responsibility to the students and how well that's being met? I, and this is another thing I appreciate about Salt Lake Community College, they always put the student first. I think whatever what's going on, the student is 
crucial to this whole thing. Like, you know, like who's gonna come, like who comes through the doors on campus? It's the students. And so the student has always been put into mind first. Like we have this thing called the Bruin Pantries where if a student goes hungry, they show their ID and they um, grab food for what they need. And so they can come in any time whenever they want to. Um, we have our Center for Health and Career Services that like if a student is struggling with like, you know, like I am alone, I am shut down, like I'm living by myself and I haven't seen any of my friends and the only time we talked was maybe on the phone, they can always come on campus or they can talk through a counselor via Zoom and talk about like, you know, the struggles that they're going through. And so when we were planning through this whole shutdown, we were trying to make sure that the key crucial departments that directly serve the students, so like professors, um, some faculty members, counseling, um, counselors, academic counselors, our Bruin pantries, our whatever helped the students, we made sure those were the top priority to making sure those were fully ran. And then we focused on the rest in terms of the logistics of like, okay, we're planning to come back on campus. Now, how is that going to look like for students, like for distancing? And so there's a COVID task force that I'm a part of that they invited me to with faculty and staff members to ensure that um, not only do we not, not hinder the student experience here at SLIC, but also that we know that they're being taken care of and feel that they are safe while coming back or during that time when we were in lockdown. That's great. I um, I should disclose, I, uh, I took a class at SLIC last year. And so I've got, you know, I've got two degrees and, you know, got into Stanford at one point and I uh, really enjoyed my experience at Slick learning to uh, learning to code Python. I am interested. So what we do at Degree Insurance is we have invented an incomes guarantee for students. So in the five years after you graduate, depending on what your major is, we, we know how much you're likely to make, right? And, and if you don't make that, you would send us your tax returns and we'd cut you a check for the difference. And so uh, the intention is to give, as you, as you phrased it early on, give students the assurance, right, that it's going to work. Um, there's two pieces, right, as you go to school. There's like, hey, it's really expensive, as you said, to go to college. And then you want to make sure that it worked, that it did something for you, right, when you're going to spend that much money. Um, so we are, uh, we are focused on four-year college degrees. So you're, you're actually the first community college uh, student we've spoken to. So, so you're committed, you're on a track, you, you know, the University of Utah is right for you. And it, it's possible nothing moves you off that mark. But if Utah State could, you know, give you all the, the, the program and the critical thinking and the rest of it, but would offer you a guarantee of earnings, would it change how you feel about it? Would it change your decision making or schools you would look at or would it not right what, what impact do you think it would have if schools if schools were able to offer an income guarantee to you when you graduate this is hard okay <laughs> so for me I am actually not in it for income like I know it is a necessary part of life that in order for me to survive in this world I need money <laughs> sure sure um I need that income like not only to sustain myself but um just for whatever I'm doing and so for me, it's just like, if I do get paid, I think that's like an added bonus. But for me, it really is just like, what can I do with the degree? If I can like actually do what I am wanting to accomplish and what my goals are, then I think I'm totally okay. My problem is, is that once I graduate and I have loans and those, it's like, 
okay, how am I going to pay for these? I like, like you mentioned, like, what if I don't get that, like, that yearly income that I'm supposed to receive after I've received this degree from a university that I have spent a lot of time and money on. And so, yes, it's like, I would love to have that promise. Like, this is exactly what I'm going to earn, but I'm also realistic of like, you know, that might not be starting off because I may not have that experience. And so with that five-year program, I think it would be cool, you know, to say like, oh yeah, within that time, I will have this yearly income by then, but it's like, what's going to happen with my loans? And so like, will that income actually support what I'm going for? Yeah, that's, it's an interesting challenge. Do you think, um, how do you think other students would respond to the, to the same thing, to, to a school that was giving students a guarantee? I think it would depend. <laughs> I, I know that's such a vague answer, but I really honestly depends on the person and where their circumstances are. But I think for a lot of people who may not have a lot of security, I think that would be really beneficial of like, okay, I know for a fact that I'm going to receive like, you know, let's say I finished my law degree program that I'm going to receive a hundred and it's like $120,000 a year for the degree I worked with and just know that that is a fact and that will be covered if anything were to happen. And so for, for students and like, for me, I'd be like, you know, that is, that is worth, <laughs> that is worth the time to like get involved in that. So, Yeah. Do you think the government's doing enough to support students, colleges, right? Uh, or are there other things you'd like to see the government doing um, to promote sort of educational attainment? So let's say Spencer Cox puts you on a panel and says, how do I help? What do I do? Should I stay out of the way or do you want me to intervene somewhere? And then the same thing with President Biden does the same thing, right? What, what would you tell them? Um, I think my, I would kind of throw a question back at them and be like, what have you done for higher education? Like what has been implemented? Because I think sometimes a lot of decisions are being made, but maybe those are being shown, if that makes sense. Like a lot of decisions can be made. They'd be like, oh, we have the scholarship. Oh, we have this program that can help students to pay off loans or to get paid. But it's like, have you made it known like to the public, like this is an actual thing of like, not just like a, oh, I have to find out through multiple channels, but this is like a, oh, this is like in your face. Like, no, like if you are, you know, if you have a bunch of like, let's say loan forgiveness, that is like a one in, one in a million chance that you can be forgiven of like your student loans. And so for that, it's like, why is it so difficult of like, you know, you paid all this money to get into school and then you're in the end, like after that, you have like a year to pay off that loan without interest. And so it's like, okay, <laughs> great. Thank you. But how, like, how will I have that guarantee? Like, will I have a job to pay for that? What happens if something, you know, were to happen to me? Now my family has to take care of paying off that loan for me because it will continue on until the government receives that money that I have um, borrowed. And so there aren't, I don't, I would love to see more programs of like, how can I pay for my education without having to pay so much interest on a degree that will help the community and to help other people, um, depending on like what you're talking about. But I think either way, it's like, there should be better processes of how I can better pay for my education than what they do have now. Yeah, thank you for that. We call this podcast Rebuilding the American Dream. And so I like to ask what the American dream means to you, 
right? I think you've got a, a likely a different view than what others might have as a first generation American, right? What does the American dream mean to you? Oof. My parents, the reason why they came here to the United States is because of the dream that their family will have a better future than they did. And that to me, like struck a chord of like, you know, I want a better future for my family too, not just like a future family, but for like my current one, like my, my mother, my father, my little sister, I want to be able to get through my education without having, you know, to worry about the financial barrier of doing what I want to pursue. And that to me is like the dream of like, oh, I can become anyone who I want to be and I don't have that financial burden of stopping me from what I want to accomplish and to be able to use that and to help others. That is my dream of like, that is what I want. <laughs> that is like, all. and it's nice because it's like, I'm here and when I graduate from Slick, I don't owe anybody anything. My education has been all paid for and covered. And so that is just like that financial relief of like, this is my degree. Like no one owes my degree and this is something I worked for, but also like, I don't have to like pay for it even more. So. Yeah, that's great. Well, I, I mean, I am, I'm sure you're going to go on and do amazing things and uh, we need folks with the business and a legal background who want to help in their communities. And there are a hundred ways that those skill sets will be useful and used by the people around you. And, and I love that you're, you're wired to benefit sort of your family and your community and the people in the society around us. I think that's really noble and great. I, I want to thank you for your time. It has been a pleasure speaking to you today. You've been listening to me, Wade Ierly, co-founder of Degree Insurance, and this is Rebuilding the American Dream. You can find out more on our website, americandream.fm, or follow us on Twitter at Degree Insurance. Until next time, thank you. Well, wasn't that amazing? It was created and produced by podcast partners. They're really lovely people and rather good at all this podcasting guff. Find out more at podcastpartners.com. Thank you.